Kate Fennessy's trying to write a novel and Helen Brown's going to help her. Welcome to our podcast, Novel Therapy, the first time writer's clinic. Hi everyone and welcome to episode five of Novel Therapy. I'm Kate Fennessy, aspiring author and social media marketer. And I'm New York Times bestselling author, Helen Brown. And Helen today has really fabulous earrings on that say, yes, yes. (laughs) (laughs) And Kate is wearing wonderful red lipstick. It's true, I am. I wonder what what these two girls are up to. (laughs) Oh my God, it's so true. Oh dear. Um, So we've had a week off. Um, Maybe that's it. Possibly. It could be that, yes. Um, You were in Sydney last week. How did that go? Oh, it was fantastic. Catching up with my publishers there, getting all sorts of just ideas pouring from the sky. No rain, actually. And um, I've been doing a bit of dancing slightly in preparation for today. I've been trying to get back (laughs) into my body. So I've got the Spotify working, which is difficult for me. And playing stuff that really, like Joni Mitchell, you probably never heard of her. I have, I have. But people who bring back life and wonderful memories and it's just beautiful dancing. So I've been doing a bit of that. Even dragged Philip onto the floor. <clears throat> so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love this update. That's amazing. That's amazing. That's great. I oh, mean. that's a dollar for oh, the job. It's because I've had a week off. Oh, Far well, out. Got to okay. get back onto that. Yeah, I do yeah. have to get back onto that. Yeah. And what else has been happening in your? Because this is our checkup pre our pre our clinic. We have a bit of a checkup. So what else has been happening? Anything well, else in your world? Yeah, um, I've been. I don't know if you notice when you're coming up the path. I've been doing a bit of gardening mm. because we used to have a big rosemary hedge which oh, I yes. planted in my mum's honour because she okay. loved rosemary mm. rosemary for remembrance right. and that hedge went crazy and it grew right yeah. over the path so we yes. had to pull it out okay. and. Gardening to me is a wonderful thing if you need healing. If you've lost any hope in the future, you're planting a seed, you're planting a seedling. That's proof that there will be a future, you know. So I think if you're going through a tough time, um, there's nothing like planting something to make you invest in the future, even if it's just something in a flower pot. I love that. It's quite symbolic, isn't it? deeper than that even yeah. it's connecting with nature and and acknowledging the rhythms i i planted that whole garden out the front after mm. i'd um, had breast cancer and i planted it very consciously with mm. symbols in it okay. even the round fountain mm. that's a symbol of my healthy breast it's <laughs> a big breast just <laughs> bursting with life i love that i noticed it when i walked in this morning so yeah it's mm. a place of meditation and healing so if you're listening mm. and you can't write and you can't knit or paint <laughs> <laughs> or you can do all those things, do a garden as well. I also read somewhere that gardeners live two and a half years longer, though mm. who knows what that means. Yeah, that's interesting. I feel similarly that I've been having a time of looking at my whole home my house and just going I want to spring clean it from the back fence to the front. I want to weed and just continue to declutter I've sort of decluttered some spaces and I feel like when I do that I start owning them Mm. it's like moving in again because I moved in in a time of extreme stress distress actually because my marriage had just ended so I moved in 
like you would to a refuge or something, like just minimum. Just yeah. And, you know, I th- it's interesting you mentioned weeding because I think find weeding very symbolic. You're digging yeah. up unwanted stuff from the past and discarding it. Mm. And if you spend an hour or two weeding, you can feel really cleansed after that. Yeah, oh, that's good encouragement because my weeds, I get a bit overwhelmed because I let them grow wild mm. in the back because I don't really use the outdoor space, but I feel the need to weed. <laughs> <laughs> it's arising in me. Sorry, I nearly made that joke on her tea then. Um, and just another little update from my world, which is related to my homework, my diagnosis from two weeks ago. I have watched nearly all of season one of Glow since we uh, since you recommended that I do, and it has been so fantastic. Because um, I'd already watched Fleabag. I might watch Fleabag again, but I've like sort of done the whole season. Whereas Glow <laughs> is so fabulous. And what I'm finding immediately um, is just how deliciously um, the characters are so well uh, are so well done. Like they're a little bit exaggerated, a little bit crazy, a little bit bonkers, but they have depth. They have truths to them that when they come out are really mo- like strong moments, yeah. are really powerful yeah. because of everything else, because they're kooky, crazy. And a little bit, you know, like, for example, I think it's um, Debbie who plays um, Liberty Bell, the blonde, one of the main characters. When she got handed her divorce papers in season one, you know, she, the actress, credit to her, she really broke down. Like, despite the fact she was dressed in this ridiculous costume and this ridiculous context, she broke down like you would expect anyone to when their life has just been handed to them on a piece of paper like that a moment like that and I just thought wow there's real depth to it yeah. but there's playfulness yes and if you can somehow transfer that complexity to the characters in your novel yeah. you'll be on a winning streak that's the takeaway I got out of yeah. it was just those those moments where there, and there was another moment in the car I think with with Sam the director and uh what's the main girl's name Is it uh, Ruth Ruth yeah where he actually summed her up really, really insightfully. And I thought, wow, he really does see who she is, even though he acts like an asshole, yeah. even yeah. though he's this and that deeply and he's weak flawed. and broken. Deeply yeah. flawed. Yeah. Really, they're both deeply flawed. Yeah, they, well, they all are. are. They all are. And this is, yeah. this is what will grab you into a book, you know, because yeah. if you can do that with your characters, oh, we'll so love look, it. That, that diagnosis has been incredibly oh, helpful, so like all my clinic came. visits. Oh, good. <laughs> I'm improving in the leaps and bounds in my whole <laughs> life. But Glow, I have to reverberate the recommendation to others. It is pretty fabulous. The thing is, though, Kate, when yeah. you start watching these television series yeah. as a writer, yeah, it's a you experience. see them differently yeah, and right. you're constantly analysing what's happening. And it actually makes it a very rewarding experience yeah. more so than just uh, straight entertainment yeah that's yeah. true I've definitely looked at it differently and and in thinking out loud I probably should revisit Fleabag for the same reason because I watched it as a viewer go back and watch it. I'll go back yeah, and watch as, it a as a writer yeah. yeah that's a good point yeah. actually so thank you for that diagnosis oh. glow is pretty pretty hilarious <laughs> <laughs> oh dear so we will move on we've had our checkup Today. we'll open the clinic I think it's time well as you stepped inside, yes. apart from my yes, yes earrings, <laughs> did you notice these beautiful flowers? I, I got from very beautiful. Kate Hill, the florist, across the road. Oh, and wow. I said, well, this friend and I are going to do a podcast today, maybe about writing sex scenes. And she said, oh, is it a podcast about sex? And I said, well, <laughs> it is today. not really. 
<laughs> and I've done some other things. Um, you may notice this candle burning oh, up there. That's, that's fig perfume. I was trying to make the room really <laughs> sensual for you today, Kate. You and did. And we've brought these, I bought these beautiful little I'll carrot just, cakes. I'll just grab one. Well, the people who are watching might be able to see them. But if you're just listening, these I was in the uh, deli and I was trying to see the most sensuous looking cakes. And um, these ones probably took took the cake <laughs> because they're a little they've got little squishy them. pink things on they top do. it could be anything things. could be lips they could just could be, be lips, lips. yeah Nipples. no well you never know you never know or even other parts of the female anatomy yeah so i thought today we would t- get into our sensual selves because that's a good start i think not that i've written much sex actually mm. because my family is so tired of being written about i think it would be terribly <laughs> exposing if they thought oh there's mum having multiple orgasms it wouldn't really <laughs> it wouldn't go down well but let's start by going into sensual memories and can you think of something from your youth or childhood a moment when you felt totally alive connected and joyous yes so when I was younger my um my dad grew up in the Edith Vale Chelsea area part of Melbourne which is which is on the bay and he like me has fair skin so he would love to take me to the beach but only after the sun was starting to set on these are on very warm Melbourne nights when it would have been you know 35 plus in the daytime so it would be still quite warm enough to swim Dad and I would drive down. I reckon I was about 10. And I don't know why. I guess it was just his idea. But he would we'd drive down to Edithal Beach, um, would get into the bay, always calm water. Um, and I guess it was getting nighttime. So my memory is of being really at one with just Dad. And I, I have a memory of um, we'd either hold our breath and maybe swim, see how many strokes you could swim like in competition with each other. And I used to love actually I was thinking – um, the other day about this that I used to love doing backwards tumble dives in the water. Wow, you could do that. Yep, I could just oh. leap backwards. Didn't it go up your nose? No, you breathe oh. out the air through your nose. Oh, I didn't that's know the trick. <laughs> oh, I don't know how you go. <laughs> now I know. <laughs> yeah, that's the trick. Otherwise it would go yeah. up your nose. And I probably thought I was pretty cool doing that when I was 10. Um, yes, and just floating. I remember floating with Dad, the, the holding our breath competitions. But what I remember more... And I still sometimes do this on a really hot day. If my daughter Emmy was listening, she'd roll her eyes and go, Mom, we, we hardly ever go to the beach. But I still have that habit of going at night. I like or at the end mm. of the day, mm. post five o'clock when the sun's not going to burn you anymore. The vibe of the beach has changed. Down at Mount Eliza, I like Canadian Bay and people might be having beers and fish and chips on the beach. And the same thing, there's something happens to me when I get to that point where you can just your eye and the horizon all just blends into that still mm, bay water. Beautiful. And it's just cool and, you know. Well, this yeah. could be a scene to put in your book. Yeah. You know, maybe. I think it sounds so beautiful and, and unique, really, because people living in other parts of the world mm. can't just wander down to a no, beach and, no. and don't understand that moment where that dry heat we get mm. here at the end of those summer days. Yeah. It's beautiful. But I also have another memory that's quite painful to do with nature, which is to do with when mum died. I remember very early on, it's almost like a bit of a dream, this memory, but I know it happened. I got into an early relationship, just not even a relationship, like I was dating someone for a little while and I got really upset 
one night and I don't know, it sounds a bit crazy, but I ended up going to a park and I was actually clawing at the ground. Mm. And like, I know that sounds crazy, but I was crying. Mm -hmm. And I, how old were you then? This is, would have been 21 after mum died. Yeah. This was just, that was in that very early time. I just remember crying and I remember thinking she's in the ground. Yeah. I think you can forgive yourself lots of sorts of weird behavior when you're in grief i really feel that that man who witnessed that must just think wow although years later we bumped into each other when he'd become a dad at a child who witnessed you doing this yeah yeah i always felt like he he must think oh "Oh, god be good for him be good for him maybe and i that was another one interesting i've been thinking about um my essential connections which i i've i don't have a uterus, I don't have ovaries, I've only got one boob. So I have very little hormonal connection to the world. I'm practically my own gender. But, you know, thinking about this has not it made me realise I'm mm. still a sensual being. And I love that um, wonderful candle smell and I have the perfume of that fig. Because it's kind of androgynous, I suppose. <laughs> Um, but no, I love that. And I love the smell of flowers. Mm. And you think about our senses. Flowers are great because they appeal visually mm. and yeah, to I our sense of smell. Yeah. And then there's the sense of touch. When my friend Douglas was dying, mm. he was gay and he loved um, rose perfume. And I remember massaging his feet and the ecstasy on his face. We never lose that touch, mm. that need for touch. Yeah, massage and fragrance and all those yeah. often feminine things. Yeah, even yeah. just my routine at, with hand creams and yeah, loving your sprays. Yeah, I, I always feel much. like paying for a massage is kind of different. I've not. Yeah, yeah I've always feel like someone should be. I'd love someone to be doing this for love. Yeah, no, not just for the sixty bucks or whatever. That's it is. true. So yeah, we've got taste visual mm. sound well that's where I've enjoyed music yeah. I never have music on when I write I don't no, know how I people do that no it's like having the window the view of the window it's mm. an extra it's too distracting stimulation yeah. I can't have yeah I'm the same but I could listen to um vocalless music like music could without lyrics possibly possibly, oh. possibly but only very probably not though I tend to like to work and write in silence that's yeah. my preferred but yeah. music's definitely um Music's something that I can get lost in. I can in. imagine. I've seen you dancing. Yeah, you love dancing <laughs> yeah, at Lydia's we've wedding. Seen each other dancing. Yeah, yeah. That was yeah. Cute. On the dance floor, we should pull out one of those photos of you and Philip. Oh, dancing. well, no, maybe not. But look at the other thing: food. I food, food. is love. Yeah, I I realise that true. as the way I cook for my granddaughters. There's so much love in that, yeah. and you know. Food is very central to me. And I was over at Teaspoon where Tara works the day or the day before and there was this Mm. fabulous looking cake in there and all the customers were oogling it. And I said, Mm. doesn't that make you want to tear your clothes off and roll in it? Mm. And there there was an awkward silence. And the lovely young woman behind the counter, it wasn't Tara, said, well, that's a new one. We're so aligned because this week I went to a spontaneous cards night in Frankston. One of my friends, Sarah, and has gathered this little group and we play Cards Against Humanity. Which oh, is quite, yes, I know, you know that it. game. Yeah. So we did the other night and I said the same thing about my favourite red curry and I said when it's a good one, I could have a bath of it and label it to myself and everyone looked shocked as well. They were like... 
but you'd get burnt. I was like, no, no, in my imagination, yeah, it's wonderful. Yeah, it would be sort of tepid. It would be warm and luscious, yeah. and I'd I be ha- in I, it. Yeah, I haven't read a lot of um, erotic <laughs> fiction, but I wonder how much of it does revolve around food, oh, you know? Oh, gosh. No, but it's a lovely thing to be aware of. And, you know, thinking of those memories, particularly with Dad and, and music, I think the other thing with me was as a kid, I think we talked about this in maybe the first episode, I would often get so... I wanted to immerse myself in music to the point where I'd play an album. We had vinyls back in the day and I would lie on the floor. I don't know why. I like to lie on the floor mm. and just yeah, transport myself. Yeah. yeah. That's very Always loved that. That's wonderful. I think that's mm. a very deep human kind of need, that connection. Again, with the non-physical. Yeah. We mustn't go there. But look, I think this is a perfect segue into you reading us your sex scene. I think you're a real natural at this. So wow. Okay. I hope you're all wait, ready and waiting out there in podcast land. Yes, far out. Kate's okay. Fabulous sex scene. I've never written a sex scene before, um, but I just wrote this in one go. So whether it, anyway, shall we do it? Yeah. <laughs> well, the candles okay. lit. The, the candles lit. That's true. <laughs> the cupcakes staring at me. Okay. <clears throat> so I'm just going to dive in. Maybe it was the new semi-beard or the wine had got to her head. The fire, the music, the tears, but she didn't want to stop kissing him. She wanted more of his lips. No fertility window, no pressure, just her and her husband, just their bodies and her sudden desire. She lowered herself onto him, astride him, which she never usually did. They were going to fuck here in front of the fire, which they also never did. She pulled off her jumper hurriedly opened her shirt and his and pulled his face into her cleavage. She wanted him to suck her breasts, the breasts that had betrayed her, for them to just be hers, just be for her. She pulled down her bra and let them spill out, directing her nipple to his open mouth, her hands to finger her deeply. She was so clear about what she wanted and needed from him and she kissed him more and more until she was slippery and wet and Jake was hard. She unbuttoned his pants and he let out a whimper as she eased herself onto him, feeling the texture of his rough jaw with her fingers, the soft hair on his chest and the bed of hair around his erection. She grabbed at him harder, harder still until she bit his shoulder and he moaned as he came, the slight surprise in his eyes enough to tip her over too. She rose carefully, unmounted herself and kissed him on the nose. I'll get that dinner for you then. His eyes widened and he patted her on the bum as she pulled her clothes back on in front of the fire. See, I think that's pretty damn good. Thank you. Congratulations. <laughs> I was quite immersed there. <laughs> I wonder if I'm just meant to beep out the F word probably. Well, yes, I wonder if we should have perhaps had I a think warning we, we possibly at the should have. Yes, I can yes. put it on now. Well, you can change the rating of it anyway. <laughs> You see, it's notoriously difficult to write good porn. And, you know, they have that competition every year, um, the Literary Review Bad Sex Award. Really? And uh, even highly esteemed authors wow. end up on the shortlisted this year was Haruki Murakami, really? who is regarded as yes. a kind of god. Yes. And seen we're being very open here. Yes. Let me read you his little <laughs> Please do. phrase that won him oh my um, god. this shortlist award. Okay. I slipped my erect penis inside, or from another angle, that part of her actively swallowed my penis, immersing it in what felt like warm butter. No one wants to feel 
you're like warm butter. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, did you say it swallowed it? Yeah, it yeah, swallowed yeah. My penis. <laughs> you see, it's usually men who win these bad sex oh, awards, shocking. and it's, and when I've been reading a few of them, and it's oh. so penis oriented, it's so oriented towards their pleasure, and it's yeah. so dis- disconnected emotionally. Yeah, and I think writing about sex, it, as you, I think you're doing there it's Mm. bringing in that part of the emotional life of the characters it's not a mechanical thing if if it's strictly mechanical it's ridiculous it's immersing your penis in butter (laughs) anyway (laughs) well done Kate that's so funny thank you oh my goodness yeah I don't think you'll be on the bad sex award anyway as I mentioned I am I'm going to lead you a bit my my nearest sort of Attempts okay. at sex, right? And it's in my novel, Tumble Down Manor. <laughs> Stop laughing. <laughs> Stop <laughs> and look, this character, Lisa, has no relationship at all to anyone living or dead. So please don't put my face yes. in. But anyway, Lisa, no, Lisa is a writer. Um, she's bought this tumble down house in Castle, Maine that belonged to her grandmother or father, I can't remember now. And she's trying to write a sex scene because she's under pressure from her publisher to get this book and this historical fiction she's writing uh, based on uh, Emily Bronte, who's having an affair, or nearly, with um, a stable hand. <clears throat> Lisa wriggled her toes inside her Ugg boots. She squared her shoulders in front of the computer screen. It was about time Emily Bronte got down and dirty with Frederick the stable hand. Writing about squelching, writhing bodies used to be pleasurable, if not, as some critics had pointed out, her forte. Lately, it had become a chore. She could barely remember the mechanics of it, let alone the out-of-body highs she used to experience when she was younger. Every time she tried to conjure up a sexy man, he ended up wearing enormous work boots and a goofy smile. So readers had also become hardened lately. Even literary writers were churning out porn to give their sales a boost. Depravities that were barely legal were now in demand. <laughs> She'd heard throttling was in vogue. So that's, you that's know, good. I mean, she that's creeps nice. towards writing about sex and, you know, but she's in, constantly interrupted. Yeah, but I love that because in attempting to write about sex, we just learnt so much about that character mm. and, and what's perhaps going on for her in, in her life. And there's kind of a, a sadness there, but it's also, yeah, it's funny. And just the words like squelching. <laughs> it's it's, oh, it's it. a chore. It's a chore. I yes, love it. It's, yeah. that's, a, that's actually a good way to realise too that a sex scene can do more than just be about the act of the sex. Like that was actually about a lot more. Yeah. Yeah. About it, yeah, about where that character's at, isn't it? And a lot of writers apparently need little triggers before they start writing a sex scene. Mm. I think there was one male writer, and I can't remember who it was, mm. had, had special socks that he put on when he was... <laughs> and that's why she's wearing Ugg boots. And Lisa, and she's obviously no relation of mine, um, usually needed chocolate for sex scenes. Protein bars didn't cut it. Green and Black's white chocolate was good for extramarital affairs. 80% cocoa for enduring passion. Warm feet were also essential, hence the Ugg boots. Happily, they doubled as insulation against the bluestone floor. So <laughs> I love it. So uh, it's, like prepare, it's like talking about the emotional state of writing a sex scene. That's really cool. I love mm, it. Yeah. 
Without getting too gynecological, because I'm a coward. Well, look, I just dived into that one. No, I so... think that's brilliant. And look, I think that yeah. demonstrates the difference between our generations too. Mm. You're bold and yeah. your readers are going to be your age. And I think they're going to really relate to that. Hopefully. And, and the thing that I've got up my sleeve or in my mind anyway, is that I want there to be a massive contrast between that sex scene and some future ones that are going to be very different between the husband and the, you know, the affair ones. How are they going to be different? Actually, in saying that, though, I don't know if I can... I'll have to work out if I'm allowed... You know when you've got one main character, you can still describe other scenes without them in it, though, can't mm-hmm. you? Yeah, mm. yeah, because I, I want to show a totally different side to him mm. with a different lover, basically, mm. and make that mm. seem completely different. So I've already got that working in the back of my mind somehow, that this other woman who has sex with the same man... It's going to be a totally different experience. Mm, mm, That'll mm. set that one I just read into stark contrast. Yeah. That's something I want to do. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that sounds good. And yeah. honestly, I don't think you can go get too explicit, really. That my dad wrote a porno that I am a bit obsessed with, though, if I yeah. only listened to, to two episodes, has been downloaded 180 million times. So, <laughs> so well, there's look, a market. Look, look at the success of... Fifty Shades. Did you ever read that? Yes, I did, and it was so poorly written. It was so poorly written, mm. but it was quite engaging. Was it? Did you like yeah. being tied up and all of that stuff? I have to just admit the, the pure voyeurism of it, the unusual nature of reading stuff like that, yeah, it interested me. Mm. I felt the same. It was very poorly written, like to the point of, you know how the character kept saying, oh, my. That's I was right. Like, oh, my God. Yes, stop please saying, stop oh it. My. Yes, that should go in the square jar <laughs> along with Journey. And exactly. Amazing. amazing, which I already said this morning. You're not allowed to say, yeah. oh, my. No. But no, I did. I have to admit, you know why? Because I feel like it was so, it was groundbreaking without wanting to give it too much credit because it, it was. You didn't read stuff like that. That's mm. why I but bought I it and just read it. But I didn't was, read on. I didn't want any daughter mind be tied up by some no it was problematic i think it's probably pre hashtag me too i don't think it would go down now i hope not i agree and i but again i think that was part of its appeal was that you knew that you weren't supposed to like it you knew it wasn't healthy and you knew you weren't supposed to want to be dominated by a man or you weren't supposed to be attracted to a man with so many complex issues but there it was and that's i think part of the appeal but is it something that you'd be proud to give the world? No. <laughs> like, I wouldn't want to write that. I wouldn't no. want that to be what I gave the world. I, yeah. I don't think it's really anything other than, like, a, you know, a Dan Brown type of book. It's designed to be a, it's designed to be yeah. a bestseller. Yeah. That's, that's how I see it. I think it. Did it start as fan fiction? I can't remember. Yeah, now. yeah. Mm. But I just mm. think it's so poorly written. It's not someone trying to give something to the world. But back to sex. Yes. It's such a mechanical process. Mm. And look, really... You'd laugh, really, wouldn't you, if you were an alien and you arrived on Earth and they said that's how what we do to re- reproduce. Yeah, it's pretty species. bizarre. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's not that, that, well, except for a few blokes maybe, it's not that that's riveting to me. It is the extension of the relationship. That's right. And I think that's what transports it from soft porn or yeah, porn correct. into fiction. Yeah, well, that's why I like your version of it in Tumbledown Manor because it's actually using a sex scene to tell the story, but you're not actually talking about the sex scene. Like, 
So I think that's interesting. And I don't want sex to be a big part of my story either, but it's going to have to feature a few times because it's about an affair. Yeah. No, great. Um, I've got Lisa doing what I've I've told you, actually, I think. Never never use the word penis. Lisa agreed it was an ugly loud. Ugly noun. You see, she's gone and Googled <laughs> how to write a sex scene. <laughs> she ran through some alternatives. I won't share those with you right now. Um, so attention to detail is essential. Let the reader know if buttons and or zips are involved. Frederick probably had buttons because he's back in, in Victorian times. And it says, make sure the man removes his socks. I don't know if that's just a quirky quirky thing of the person who wrote this. And this is an interesting one. Don't forget contraception. Mm. But your character is desperate to get pregnant. So it's a different thing. But maybe the affair scene, he might be into contraception. Yes, that's a good point, actually, because he won't be wanting to have a baby outside of the marriage. And see, here you are ahead of of your time, really. It says couples seldom climax simultaneously in real life. Mm. Decide who's going to come first and why. (laughs) I love it. Oh, this is good. Uh, And so my poor character, Lisa, after reading all of this, oh, she's decided that Frederick would be first over the finishing line (laughs) because he was so masculine and physical. But that Mm. would leave Emily stranded. Lisa decided to make him a kind of tantric master. She willed sentences to straggle across the scene, which you, (laughs) screen, you didn't have to do this. So Lisa's typed, she could feel his throbbing member. How could she sink to such a creaky cliché? The <laughs> folds of her brain pleated in on themselves as she hammered the delete button. There was no option but to raid her stash of liqueur-flavoured chocolate. <laughs> Love it. Wow. It's so cool. Oh, well, it's just... <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah. No, it's interesting to just think about how, how to not handle it in cliché. And I think... Um, Jude, who you spoke to last week in yes. Sydney, said that on the little live. We, we posted were, the live we've on had our... a little bit too much Prosecco. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but that's on theme with our podcast. Mm, but mm. I think Jude mentioned when people can't adequately explain things, they resort to cliche. Mm. So that's something to avoid. But yeah, no, these are all good thoughts, I think. Um... And look, if you're desperate, you can get this thesaurus out, can't you? You know, if you're looking for another word for penis or maybe... <laughs> <laughs> but see, it's, as you say in, in the sex scene I read, he's really she climbed onto him and she yeah, had her way with one. him. Yeah, I like that because she that got was... taken by the moment. Yes. So he was really it wasn't really about him and his penis yeah. as much as it was about her desire suddenly. Yeah, and the fact that she surprised him is what I wanted to focus mm. on too. Excuse me, while I lift this throbbing pen. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Good. Who oh, knows what dear. the next iteration of this podcast will be? We could go off into a whole new direction. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think we'll safely return to structure. We could run workshops one day, Helen. <laughs> writing a sex scene with Helen and Kate. <laughs> <laughs> I think you'd definitely take the lead. I'd oh, be the, so the amateur. <laughs> now, I do, before we wind up into Planet Social, because I think we're just on the 30-minute mark, oh, which right. is where we like oh, to stick to. Flies. I know. It does. It really does. I do have a quick question for you about, I think you mentioned um, – scrapbooks and notebooks Mm. I was just wondering what your tips are for I've got an idea how to do it but how do I capture these character art or how do you capture Mm. character arcs in a scrapbook look I think we need to talk about 
that more in full in detail. Okay, um, next time. Next but look, in the meantime, mm-hmm. uh, am, I, am I up to giving you your homework? Give me my homework, please, yes. I think you, did you buy a notebook? Yes, You've I bought got a, notebook a notebook and a scrapbook. Yeah, yeah, I know some people are very good, and probably you are, at mm. putting notes in your phone, but to me... I put them on an app in my desktop, yeah. Oh, but to yeah. me, there's nothing stronger than just having a little notebook. Once you're in the flow of mm-hmm. having to churn out, I shouldn't use that word, mm. um produce a certain number of words you suddenly become a scavenger for ideas for sentences for Mm -hmm. dialogue and you'll be walking along the beach Mm. or you'll be in the car and you'll hear something on the radio or you'll see something and you need to write it down and I've when I've been in the throes of a book you write 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 those things in your notebook and it's amazing there goes (laughs) a dollar dollar in yeah a dollar each today (laughs) but you'll be surprised by how much of that will go straight into your book because it came came to you yeah Yeah. and your subconscious is already Mm. living in that world Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. that makes sense so I need a small notebook that I can have on my person like in my handbag Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So if you're having lunch with a friend and she yeah. says something that's hilarious okay. or angry, that's it. just perfect. So I would also recommend this to our aspiring writers out there. Cool. Nothing beats a little notebook. Doesn't have to be fancy. Doesn't have yep. to have flowers on it. Mm-hmm. Just tiny. Or just pink petals and <laughs> figs. <laughs> just so figs. So next time we meet, stop giggling. I know. <laughs> next time we meet. Um, I'd like to see a notebook with some stuff in it. Great. With some observations in it that are in tune with what you're writing about. Yeah, nice. Or even maybe not. Even that scene that you talked about with your dad, Mm. that could be turned into something beautiful. And we need to talk about setting, where you're setting this book. All right. Yep. No, that that sounds good. Sounds like it definitely needs to be near a beach. Yeah, I think so. Well, that's mm. where I live at the moment, and I think I think that's a nice context. And that part of Melbourne doesn't get written about all the time. It tends to more be inner city, I feel like, mm-hmm. the Melbourne books I've read. I think it's a Bayside novel, mm-hmm. possibly Frankston. Mm. Yeah. Oh, you'll get a wonderful launch party there. Yeah, mm. that's true. Mm. That's true. So that's my diagnosis, notebook. Definitely. Good. And, I, like and I think AAA for the sex scene. <laughs> I wonder if they can see me blushing on the YouTube. Well, thank you. I mean, that's great because I honestly didn't know. I just had a crack at it. But I think it's in me. Definitely. (laughs) I would say definitely. It's in me. I'm just going to turn into a giggling idiot. But the thing is probably if next time you do have a sexual encounter your part of you will be on the ceiling we'll be watching observing. you thinking oh yes that's a good yes i must put that in and, mm. and that's fine too good i think no men know. men are terrified of women laughing at them in yeah, the bedroom and as a writer you have even greater power so don't tell whoever it is that you might be <clears throat> writing about <laughs> sex noted <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh far out okay so to finish up, I'm just going to quickly touch on a, a topic that always comes up in the world of social, which is hashtags, because um, I present on social from time to time and I always get asked the hashtag question, but what even is a hashtag? You know, a lot of people still don't understand it. So I just thought I'd quickly touch on that this week. Um, so my thoughts on hashtags are they do matter. 
Um, some people are very focused on hashtags. Other people say, oh, they don't matter. I think the truth lies somewhere in between. I think they're part of your armory of tools on social media. Is there a kind of shaming involved, though, if you put too many hashtags? No, there yeah. used to be. I feel like in the past it seemed a bit tacky. Uh, nowadays it's pretty common practice, and I think people are people tune out. like They don't notice it anymore. Um, so where it used to look a bit desperate, I think nowadays it's par for the course and no, no judgment. Um, so my, I've got three simple rules when it comes to using hashtags. Rule one is that your hashtags ought to be about what your audience cares about and is searching for. So for a writer, things like book lover, book lovers, um, and or for an aspiring writer, is, as is the audience for our novel, uh, sorry, our podcast here would be things like novel writing, writer's tips, writing tips, writing ideas. Um, so I would say the first thing is to always think about your audience, not you. So cat lovers, mm-hmm. you know. Same with writing a book. Yeah, well, mm-hmm. that's true. They're, they're flags. So essentially to, to, to try and summarise what a hashtag is, it's a content flag mechanism for these platforms it tells these platforms this post is about cats because it says so when you hashtag yeah sometimes i've gone and looked and sometimes my post has gone on to that yes other site and yeah. sometimes it doesn't what's that so about what on instagram for example um when you click on any hashtag you will see generally the top the summary of the top nine posts at any given time under that hashtag and then the rest will be in chronological order so this is, this is sort of related to rule number two. You want to use hashtags that aren't over the top popular. For example, the hashtag, if you did hashtag love, right, or, or hashtags, cats. yes, it's too big. Oh, really? Yes. I didn't know that. So this is a good tip. I would recommend, this is rough, but try and get hashtags that are between about, say, 10,000 and about four to five million only. Not Some of them are hundreds of millions of posts, like cat ones, mm. ones that are too general. Um, like hashtag Instagram, it'll be too big, hashtag love, hashtag beauty, anything that's too generic or would have been too popular because what that means is there's so many posts there that if you refresh the screen, you'll just see your post disappear within milliseconds. Mm. Mm. It's too popular. Wow. So you need to get a bit more niche. And what you'll find is that same uh, mummy bloggers that I've worked with for brands, for example, they're really good at their hashtags because they've refined them over over perhaps years and they know where their audience is hanging out. So they might have really specific ones like real mum style or whatever they've figured out is their niche and it'll be one that's not overly used. And the reason you know hashtags work is because if you go to any hashtags, if you click on any hashtag in Instagram, you will see that those top nine posts generally are full of hashtags. So the people who've got in there are using hashtags to get there. So Hashtags do work, but try and make sure you're not using overly popular ones. Mm. So that's a, a tip. Well, and- Jonah just started doing his own <laughs> hashtag, which Good. is hashtag Jonah is not a cat. And I don't think anybody's following that. Well, there you go. Be the first to follow hashtag Jonah is not a cat. And it's good. That's what we'd call a branded hashtag. So that's creating your own hashtag. Like well, nobody novel- wants to follow that. Well, just keep letting them know. Mm-hmm. And then, but real, true, hardcore Jonah fans, once they cotton onto it, will follow it. Mm. So things like novel therapy, no one probably knows, you know, they're not following that, but I still use it when we post because you, in time, it's a categorization tool. So any one could look at that hashtag in a year and see all the pictures of us. Mm. So branded hashtags are good as well. And my last tip, rule number three, is still to use about, I've said 15 to 20 hashtags. Look, I'd say 10. You can use 30 on Instagram, but 
I think still use, you know, 10, 15 if you can, and you try to make them unique to each post. So try to make them reflect what's contained in the post. Mm. Um, so that's really it. And, yeah, look, they do matter. They shouldn't be, you know, they shouldn't be um, your sole focus on Instagram. They are relevant for Twitter as well and LinkedIn, actually. I find on LinkedIn, which I want to talk about next week, mm. um, LinkedIn actually matters. Hashtags are quite important there too. Just two or three, though, and same with Twitter. You only need two or three, whereas Instagram you can go go quite nuts with mm. them. Facebook you don't probably have. I don't think people use them as much on Facebook. The functionality is there, but it's not as, as not as used. Mm. Um, I just remembered too, looking at my notes, I've, I've got one more thing related to our last session, which was gathering my writing box, my writer's oh, box. Good. Yeah. And how I really dived into some of those old memories of the time I lived in Japan on the one hand, and it prompted me to reconnect with some old friends just for no reason other than because I was looking at old photos. And it also made me realize I have so many cards and letters. I had to sort them into boxes. I had a box for Emmy stuff, <laughs> a box for cards and letters and a box for photos, which I separate Good. to my writer's box yeah. to actually do that felt really great. And it prompted me to write a couple of cards in the last couple of weeks. So my gorgeous cafe called down the street in Frankston, totally transformed foot street in Frankston. That is not an exaggeration because it's a gorgeous cafe run by a beautiful business owner, Marin. And when it was their one-year anniversary, I thought, I'm going to go and get her a thank card. you card yeah. or a congratulations yeah. card. And I wrote a little note. And do you know what? She cried when yeah. she read it. So I think our, our little community could do that this week. That could yeah. maybe be your homework out there. Um, give someone, someone a card. And tell them what you feel. Like I didn't go on and on, but I just said, you have transformed our street. Thank you so much. Mm. It's great service and great coffee and all that. It was lovely. Wonderful. And I wrote the same with dad for Father's Day. I often would think, oh, I can't be bothered. It's just dad. No offense. But you sort of think, mm. I'll just give him the present. But I got a card. And not only that, I thought about what I wrote. Wonderful. And he was really He's, cute. He, he read it out loud. It. Oh. Yeah. Oh, and I could tell he was quite chuffed. So that was a reporting back from my homework Fantastic. that giving those messages out to people is actually worth it. Yeah, it is. Definitely. Yeah. I'm about halfway through my erotic character. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's positively I'm looking devoured. forward to you having <laughs> yeah, yours. Yeah, well, look, thank you. I think we survived the sex scene episode. And yeah, and thank good. you, everyone, for listening. And, <laughs> oh, we love your responses. Yeah. yeah it's like a little family. It so. is. Thank you so much. And please do share with us your experiences. I know Cindy shared some photos of – or shared a video, actually, of her gathering her writer's box um, – and it's so inspiring for us to know mm. that that's happening and yeah. people have, yeah, actually. And another friend, Jack of uh, my sisters from years ago told me he's had a writer's box for years and he was one of the first writers I ever met as in, yeah, when I was a teenager, he was my sister's friend. So like five years older than me and he was mm. and is a writer and mm. I, he really impressed me back then. So I was not surprised to hear yeah, that. But he then I, one. when I was talking with Jude in Sydney last week, who's really a, a fantastic editor, she'd never heard of a writer's yeah. box. So. Well, <laughs> different I, strokes, different folks. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, if that works for you, it's certainly been working for me. So oh, that's thank great. you again. And, and Glow, that's, you know, definitely a recommendation. It's quite funny. <laughs> Yes. All right. Well, I think that's it. And so next week we will have a surprise guest. Is we hope so. Yeah. 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 Assuming I get the technology working, which yeah, I you should. Will. Yeah, you I will. will. I will. Um, mm. We're going to have a special guest, um, which is going to be really cool for those of you who are interested in learning more about the world of getting published. Mm. So 
it's going to be fantastic. So do tune in and yeah, stay in touch on our Facebook group, um, Novel Therapy. So just search for that in Facebook. And yeah, also you may have noticed we're up on YouTube now. So we've had three videos up, I think, or three episodes. Mm. So we'll get them up now that I have NBN. I shouldn't be drinking tea and eating cake, should I? Anyway, I think think that's okay. That's Mm. how, that's what we do. That's how we do it. (laughs) (laughs) So we will see you next time. Uh, And thanks again for listening. Bye-bye. Bye.